All right, we're good to go here? Or still, all right, good. Um, you know, thanks, Robbie and crew, for uh, leading us in worship, Jeremiah in prayer. And let me just say, if, if the Spirit's still working with you and you just feel like, you know, you need to go on a walk, there's some great sidewalks around the building here, uh, feel free to take that walk. We're recording this. I'll send you the recording. Uh, but if the Spirit's still dealing with you and you need some more time on whatever it is, I encourage you uh, to do that. I want to talk a little vision today. Uh, so in November 2009, we gathered a handful of planters and pastors together because of a growing burden for our city to be impacted by the gospel and the realization that Acts 1-8 just wasn't for one local church, but the church. So we began dreaming with others what it would look like to see a collaborative church planning effort in our city. Now, we didn't have any strategic plan that we announced that day. Uh, no formal organization to join or ministry name we were introducing. Only a conviction that if we we're going to reach Houston with the gospel, then we had to do it with others that shared a similar heartbeat for reaching the city. At that first meeting, here's what we did say, though. One, we wanted to be about Houston, the most diverse city in the country, 10,000 square miles, growing at about 2,000 people every week, or as we say, a megachurch every seven days. Second thing we said is we wanted to be about church planting. The dream was to see a multiplying movement of church planting churches throughout greater Houston, and not just to plant churches as an end goal, but church planting as a strategy to see Houston saturated with the gospel. Third, we said we wanted to function as a network. More specifically, we use the language of network of networks. Tim Keller said, and I found even if he didn't say it, it's always good to quote Tim Keller. It uh, gives, gives any presentation more credibility. But he did say this in, a, in an article he wrote on movement dynamics. He says, to change a city with the gospel takes a self-sustaining, naturally growing movement of ministries and networks around a core of new church multiplication. So from the beginning, we knew that if we wanted to see a movement in Houston, it had to happen with multiple networks working together, at multiplying churches, and collaborating. So with that heart to be about Houston, be about church planting, and function like a network or network of networks, we gathered on a regular basis in 2010 under the name Houston Church Planting Network. Obviously, we weren't on the creative teams at our, at our churches. Um, and we have a lot to be thankful for looking, uh, looking back on that and a lot to thank Jesus for. Today is actually our 94th gathering. We actually keep an Excel file on that. So since that, yeah, that's a lot to be thankful for. Since 2009, the past decade, where we've had a chance to get together, and we continue to do these because I feel like it helps us focus on what we call the two keys of collaboration, mission and relationships. One, our shared commitment is a, in mission is to meet at the gospel and see that gospel proclaimed and demonstrated to every person in our city and connect people to a local church where they can grow as a follower of Jesus. And we know that many of you lead churches but want these times to be a time where you can come up, really lift your head up. You know, kind of like when we were doing worship, I was thinking about uh, you guys as you preach and thinking about how often probably during worship you, you have to be thinking about, all right, what's the transition or what I need to say in such a refreshing time to just sit here and sit in, God, sit in God, God's presence. But we know the same thing in terms of church planting. You are leading a church. Uh, you're leading, a lot of you are planting new churches, and that takes time, that takes engagement. So we want these times of a gathering to just be a time where you can lift your head up and be reminded of what God is doing across our city. The second thing, the key to collaboration we say is relationships. Specifically, be re being, building relationships of love, of encouragement, and unity. And if there was ever time we needed unity, both in the world and the church, it's now. You know, we found disunity doesn't... Uh, kind of pop up so much because of a disagreement of doctrine, 
but often a lack of love. So when you, when you meet with pastors, when you're praying with other pastors, people from other churches that are committed to reach their geography, then you realize um, when, you, when you share that sense that it just does something for the city and your love for them and, your, and their leadership only grows. So thank you. Thanks for those that have been an active participant at these gatherings. I'm sure when you get those HCPN emails, it's like, oh man, another gathering. Can I, am I supposed to go to this? Uh, but we want to continue to just be a healthy agitator, right? Just a little prod in the side to remind us, hey, we got a, bit, a bigger mission outside of our small C church, but for the big C church. Another thing to praise God for right now, currently we have about 125 churches that are engaged with HCPN that are working together. And over 80 of those are new plants since 2010. These partner churches range from mega churches to new plants to everything in between. We also have now about 30 different networks and denominations connected as we pursue this network of networks vision. Those are networks, denominationals, uh, geographic-based groups, church-led net networks, and others. We just had a meeting uh, in, this other, in, the tra- in the room over here. We had 25 network leaders gathering together and really dreaming about uh, what does collaboration look like as we move uh, forward. HCPN has also expanded our training initiatives the past several years. We now have a foundational residency for those kicking the tires for church planning, a finishing residency for those moving forward with the plan of church planning, and a fortifying one for those that have already launched and looking to both uh, encourage their soul and increase their ability to, to, for strategic leadership. In fact, in October, one of the things we're excited about with the training director, we hired Matt Lee, who's back there. So we have a new training director. uh, And if you haven't met him, I'd encourage you to meet him today. Yeah, we're excited about that. So if you you are a planter today or if you have someone in the pipeline, I'd encourage you uh, to get to know Matt. Uh, Excited to have him on board uh, focusing on planter development. A couple other things to be excited about. We have a Spanish-speaking team, which has already led training initiatives and has been regularly pulling together Spanish-speaking gatherings. And as we look to the future of Houston, we know that's going to be a big part of what needs to be done. And personally, I'm thankful for everybody in the room. I'm thankful over the last 10 years, uh, co-laborers in the gospel, uh, those that are committed to planting churches, seeing our city reached. Uh, I am grateful to be able to call you friends and partners, and hopefully you can say the same thing about other people you've met and know that you have others uh, on the same team. And we get a chance to celebrate here. But as we sing those songs, it even makes me look forward to heaven, right? Where we're going to be hanging out for eternity and enjoying each other and and reminiscing about Jesus and his glory, but also what he did with our time on earth. So we're grateful for what God has done this past decade. But today's not looking back at the rearview mirror. In fact, we realize as we think about the future and what's happened, we've only really scratched the surface because there's much more work to be done. If demographers are correct, Houston could double in, the si- in size by the year 2050. That's 7 million to 14 million. So you thought traffic was bad now. Uh, just wait and see. If missiologists are correct, in order to saturate a geography, you need one church for every 1,000 people, which means we have a lot of work to do. So what's going to get us there? I believe we got to keep pushing the flywheel, but I'm going to change the words a little bit. When you came in, you were handed uh, one of these sheets that says multiplication, saturation, and collaboration on it. And I really think I've just connected those words to really the Houston uh, church planting networks. Let me talk about those for a few minutes. I want to remind us all that gospel saturation really is our mission. We want to see the gospel proclaimed and demonstrated to every man, woman, and child in the city, right? Church planting is a strategy. I think the Bible doesn't necessarily church, uh, teach church planting, but more assumes it, though, because the gospel is being planted and people are coming to know Jesus and they need to be organized somehow. 
Now, this isn't necessarily an evangelism talk, right? But it is an evangelism talk, right? Because anytime you talk about church planning, it's always an evangelism talk. So we were actually going to show as part, and I hope I didn't tell too many people, we were actually going to show a Keller video today. Uh, he recorded it actually for this church. They're part of City to City, Seven Mile Road, and they showed it a couple weeks ago. It's about 28 minutes. Um, he talks on evangelism, looks at 2 Timothy 4, uh, but because of time, we bumped Keller. Now, that's probably a phrase that no one has ever uttered in the history of church. We bumped Keller. Uh, but hopefully, I don't know if Jeremiah, we may be able to send that out because it'd be worth watching. But one of the things he does say, uh, and as he, as he focuses in on that, he says, if a church is really tending to grow and multiply it, and move towards gospel movement, it's going to happen when 10% of the church is engaged in active evangelism, only 10%. So my hope is that we're going to get caught up with the lostness in our city as leaders, as pastors and planters, and think of ourselves as part of that 10% and make sure we are serving as the lead evangelists in our church who are taking responsibility for the evangelization in our part of town and the evangelization excuse me, across our city. So saturation is about evangelism, but it also has a city-reaching mindset and not just a church growth mindset. Church growth says, I want to become the largest church in the city. Well, city-reaching mindsets says, are we, sending our, are we seeding our city with gospel opportunities for lost people? Are we planting more churches? Are we making the gospel accessible to every man, woman, and child through linguistically appropriate, geographically close, and a variety of church models that connect with different types of people and gets the gospel into every nook and cranny of our city? When we talk about gospel saturation, it's rooted in evangelism, but the outcome is ultimately more churches, which I want to make a case for now. We need more, and guess what? We're going to need even more. So in 2010, here's my best estimate. Now, I'm a stats guy. I like looking at it. I used to memorize the back of baseball cards. That's another talk I'm in counseling for. But as I look at, as I look at kind of some of the demographics and look, look at different things, I think our best estimates say about 2010 in Houston, there were probably 4,200 churches. If you look at demographics, it probably has that number a little higher, but that includes, it included Moss, a whole bunch of other things in that. So maybe churches were looking at 4,200. The population when we started HCPN was under 6, under 6 million. That rate right there is about a 1 to 1,400 ratio of what we're looking at churches. Now we're sitting at 2021. Best guess, we're waiting for the data to come out. It's actually going to be 2020 data actually gets released in 2022, but we'll have a little more information. Our best guess is maybe say we got 4,800 churches, say in Houston. And I did that as a round number. I think we're close to that, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, because if, as we're looking at the current population of 7.2 million that is in greater, greater Houston, this county area, we're saying the ratio has now moved from one to 1,500 churches. Um, one for every a church for every 1,500 people. And why I talk about ratios a little bit is because we're, that means we're actually losing ground. And if you compare that to church history, um, if you look at in the, even the United States, and I think at the beginning of the states, 1820, uh, the, it was, the ratio is probably a church for every 875 residents. As church, as church planning was active pre-World War I between, you know, leading up to about 1900, 1905, we actually saw that ratio go down where there was a church for every 430 people. But since World War I, that has continually ticked down where we're now we sit at probably the ratio here, our best estimate in Houston is one to every 1,500 people. There was a study released before COVID uh, in 2018, 2019 by a group called the Pine Taps Foundation uh, around, and it talked about what the church is going to look like in 2050. 
and 2050, based on church history, sociology, church life, et cetera, and lots of contributing factors. And the report was actually honest, honestly very sobering, uh, but also very helpful and made me excited and motivated about what's ahead. But, you know, some of the sobering things there are, they talk about, you know, they, they think one million youth that are at least a nom- nominally in the church today will choose to leave the church each year for the next three decades. That's 35 million youth raised in families that today call themselves Christians. They also say that they expect right now that the ratio, they think there's 3,700 churches closing every year, and by 2050, that rate is going to go up to 5,500. Then they ask the question, if we could do anything to help the church be more fruitful in the next 30 years, what would it be? Their number one conclusion, aggressively plant churches. Now, I didn't read the rest of the documents because that's all I needed to land on, right? Let's, all right, we're HCPN. I'm going to focus here. If you want the whole report, I don't even know what it says, but I'll send it to you. But it's a, number one was aggressively plant churches. So what do we need to do in terms of, of Houston? So throw up that next slide. If we're looking at Houston uh, in 2021, so you saw those numbers that I mentioned. We're about 4,800 congregations right now about a 1 to 1,500 ratio. If we were just going to keep pace at a 1 to 1,500, a 1 to 1,500 ratio in the next, leading up to oh, 2050, about that, in the next 30 years, that means the population, I'll say 12 million. The, the, um, some future says 14 million, where they say a high growth model. Uh, some say a little lower, so I'll put it at the moderate at 12. I think, I think it's going to be at least 12 uh, in Greater Houston, but if we're going to continue that one to fifteen hundred ratio, we need to put, we need to get to eight thousand churches, which means we need to see you guys can do the math thirty two hundred new churches planted in the next thirty years. That's a lot of churches. If we wanted to increase that, say we wanted to begin to get to a saturation rate where we were talking one to thousand churches, like twenty fifty. Say we're at one to fifteen hundred. If we tried to go to one that one per thousand to get to like a, what missiologists say, hey, this is a saturation for the city. We need to get to 12,000 churches, which means 7,200 churches in the next 30 years. So you start doing the math on that. That's 102 church, anywhere from 100, 100 to 200 churches every year, two to three or four to five, depending on what model you want to use, of churches we need to be planting every week in the city of Houston. Now, Pine Taps actually called their report and findings the Great Opportunity was the name of the report because they say in the next 30 years, it's going to be the greatest opportunity for mission that the church in the West in the United States has ever seen in her lifetime because we're going to have the largest mission field we've ever seen and gospel opportunities are going to, are going to abound. So our heart with HCPN is together take responsibility for the lostness and brokenness and see greater Houston saturated with the gospel. You know, one of my favorite quotes uh, I heard him here in Houston about 15 years ago. He's no longer alive. He's a missiologist, Jim Slack. But he said, when the church owns the lostness of their geography, God moves. So that's our commitment. Can we own the lostness of the geography in Houston together? The second thing we want to be about, not only saturation, we want to be about multiplication, right? We're, we're, we want to be about one issue. We want to see a multiplying movement of new churches. Uh, earlier this year in, what are we at, 2021, I think between January and... March, I did like 82 pastor meetings or planter meetings, pastor meetings, uh, just sitting down, kind of checking in where, you know, pastors and planters are doing. Uh, one, to see, you know, after this year of COVID, are you still alive? Are you on a ledge? You want to jump? How you doing? And, you know, it has been, uh, you know, had someone tell me it's been a ravaging year, never experienced anything like it for the church. Uh, had people tell me it's been the most loneliest season they've ever experienced in ministry. Uh, had someone else tell me that they thought they had a, a church of college-educated graduates only to pull up Facebook and realize they're dealing with a bunch of kindergartners uh, in their church. 
but need, needless to say, uh, it's been a difficult year, and I realize churches have had to focus internally. I get that. Um, at the same time, it's like, all right, we're not, despite the last few years and everything happening in the world and our culture and our churches, we are not released from this call that, get, that God has given us to see the expansion of the church and kingdom multiplication. So I feel like we need to reawaken this multiplication mindset as we move forward. So HCPN envisions what we're saying is a multiplying movement of church planting churches that seeks to, to uh, see our city reached in our lifetime. I think that that's key. So what does that look like? What does that look like? And even in the next five years, what could that look like? I think someone says we tend to overestimate what we could do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in five years. So here's what we're praying for. Right now, we're praying for 40 networks, 40 networks that could be in, engaged in HCPN that are working together to see Houston saturated with the gospel. Probably got 25 to 30 right now that are at the table. We'd love to see that grow. Net, networks are key. Sam Stevens with the Gospel Indian League, who's probably leading one of the greatest church planning movements in India uh, right now, he, he says, networks are the backbone of movement. So if we're going to be able to increase the capacity of local churches to plant more churches, we need networks. And some of you may be thinking, all right, I need to start a new network. HCPM, we also envisioned 400, 400 churches. Why, why 400? We just didn't pick a number randomly. All right, maybe a little bit. But that gets us to about 10% of the churches, right, uh, in Houston. Not quite, maybe a little short. But we feel like if we get to 10%, we begin to reach a tipping point. And so we also look at, you know, it's, all right, it's going to take 400 to get to our goals. Because if we're looking at 4,000 churches in Houston, guess what? Not all those, in order to get to 8,000 churches, not all those churches are going to plant one church. That would be ideal, right? Hey, this is going to be easy. We can easily get to 8,000. But the, the, but the reality is we're probably looking at about 10% of those churches planting. So if we can get to 400, even if those churches in the next 30 years, those 400 churches can say, all right, I'm going to own 10 churches. I'm going to own 10 new plants. And that keeps us at, that keeps us at the, the pace for, that we're currently on. If we can say, hey, those 400, I'm going I'm to shoot for 20 churches in the next 30 years, we begin to move towards saturation rates. So that's where we're headed. Right now, we have out of those 400, as I mentioned, we have about 125 that are currently connected. Again, grateful for your partnership. One of the things that I'm planning to do this first quarter is try to begin to meet with our partner churches, begin to kind of identify churches that are there, an anchor church, a partner church, network church, and I'll have a further conversation uh, with you about that. But that's, that's coming. Look for a conversation on that. I think right now we have about 75 churches that are, you can go to the next slide, that are low, I call low-hanging fruit. Some of you may be in the room thinking, yeah, I'm part of HCPN, but maybe you're, maybe you're not. But other churches that say, hey, I get church planning, uh, but just not connected to maybe the collaborative effort that's going on in the city. And then about another 100 churches, I feel like if we're getting to 400, that we need to begin to envision together towards church planning. They may get the idea that, all right, hey, we need to reach our city, we're after our city. But church planning is like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. So it's beginning to kind of have those gospel conversations about gospel saturation and help them realize that in order to get after the city, to get to saturation, that church planning just can't be a nicety, uh, but it has to be a necessity. And then in the next uh, five years, I'd love to see at least minimum 100 new plants. We're just brainstorming in the, in the network leaders what it would it look like to get to 200, if not more. So, but moving towards, a, moving towards those churches. So in order for us to, be, to make this a reality, I want to own this personally, right? So each of us, I believe, have to be raising up someone to plant. Not just where we say, my church is committed to planting a church, but you. You. Who's your planter? Who's your planter? Let me pause and say something here. I hear a lot of these days that church planting pipelines have dried up. 
You know, we just don't see people in our, in our church, uh, churches that have a commitment to church planning. And I've just had a strong sense, especially as I spend more time overseas, talk to church planning overseas, that I have a strong sense that this next wave of church planners may not be in our churches yet. In fact, this next group of church planners may right now be in the harvest. We see this overseas, but ha- have that mentality think, all right, I'm going to think about a church planner that may not even know Jesus yet and cast a vision for not only becoming a, a follower of Jesus, but becoming a a church planter. So think about who's your, who's your one? What church planner are you developing? Last thing I want to talk about is collaboration. Collaboration. I really think there is a movement of collaboration happening right now that we haven't seen in our lifetime. As I continue to talk to leaders, um, I see a translocal commitment to reaching their place where I see lines crossed. And I see that's happening not only here in Houston, but cities across the United States and literally around the world. The, the church is uh, the great church historian uh, Latterette says he argues that one of the indications of the vitality of the Christian faith is the emergence of new movements. Now, I'm not sure the collaboration is at movement level yet, but there is no doubt that I'm seeing a growing passion for John 17 around the world where there's a prevailing spirit that says we can do more together than we can by, can by ourselves. We have the great commission. We've got the great commandment. And I see the church is being awakened, awakened to the great collaboration. And I think if we're going to get to the numbers we're talking about, collaboration has to be at the forefront. We need to be collaborative leaders. So think a moment for who you are. Think about who you are as a collaborator. Ken Blanchard in his book, Collaboration Begins With You, says collaboration is an inside-out mindset. It has to start on the inside with the heart. If you don't get the heart part right, you'll never be effective as a collaborative leader because the heart is who you really are as a collaborator. Having a collaborative heart means you are actively working for the benefit of other churches, not just what you can get out of it. That's really the essence of collaboration, right? That you're working for the good of other churches. A good reflection point, I think, on this to say, all right, is my heart in collaboration? Uh, as, and am I a collaborative leader? Ask yourself the question, would I rather have the largest church in town or would I rather see God bring revival to our city? Which would you choose? I think that begins to answer the heart question for us. Then Blanchard said, it moves to the head. He said, which is about what you know, your beliefs and attitudes about collaboration. When I'm having conversations with people about collaboration, I really say you need to determine what you believe about collaboration because our actions flow from our beliefs. It's important to understand what you believe about collaboration, but as followers of Jesus, I think it's more important to understand what Jesus says because that's where our belief comes from, right? And there's no greater passage than John 17. I'll put it over here, over my shoulder, and you can look at that. I won't read that because of where we're at for time, but Jesus is praying, praying towards something here, right? He's praying towards complete unity. There's a relational unity between Jesus and his Father that we also partake of because we are part of the body of Christ. I think that relational unity then should lead and enable us to embrace cooperation and unity with other Christians. Why? What's the goal of our oneness? It's reveal Christ's love to the world. Jesus is praying that his followers are one so that the world may believe that he he came and that he loves them. Now, I'm not saying our unity saves people, but somehow our unity, God is using supernaturally to make the mission of the church more effective. I love the Francis Schaeffer quote. He says, the greatest apologetic for evangelism is the oneness of Christians. And here's what I found. If I found if you've had a, a conviction of collaboration, I found where your heart is in it, your head is in it. When you go all in with John 17, then you can't opt out. You will, the Spirit will not let you opt out of a collaborative vision that says let's multiply churches and let's get after the city of Houston because our mission as a church can make more of an impact 
and Jesus is willing that none should perish. So from the heart to the head, we move towards action. Wesley says, John, not Bruce, says, if your heart be as my heart, then take my hand. So finally, the hands are all about what you do, your actions and behavior towards collaboration. Again, if your collaboration doesn't last, if your head and heart isn't in it, but if they are, let's move towards action. So how can you be a collaborative leader? Let me just give you a couple things. One, be available. If your church is going to be active in collaborative efforts, those who shape the culture of the church need to be involved. Make collaboration a priority and do all you can to fight isolation. Second thing, uh, make collaboration a strategy. Collaboration for your church has to be a strategy. You have probably a strategy in your church if you're leading it. Or we have an evangelism strategy. We have a mission strategy, a discipleship strategy. So think about building collaboration into your church's rhythm. Start practicing that. I realize it's a, it's a muscle. Again, probably a muscle if you haven't worked out in a while. You know how that is after a fresh workout, right? Uh, it, it hurts a little bit. You need to figure some things out. But, but look at ways that you can begin to collaborate together. And finally, just demonstrate, begin to demonstrate kingdom. What does that look like? Demonstrating kingdom, I really think, is about living open-handed, right? What does it look like maybe as you're available to tithe your time into collaboration, but also as you live uh, with this kingdom mindset where you demonstrate the kingdom, what does it look like to you're tithing your resources to collaborative ventures, to church planning, to helping others? Uh, collaboration, I believe, requires more of a moving away from a protecting mentality to more of a releasing mentality. How can we be generous? How can we release more assets uh, towards kingdom works? And I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm, I love more and more that, uh, you know, you see church, churches that are giving stuff to planters. And, you know, I still see plants that need to sell stuff. I, I get that a little bit, you know, where it's like, all right, we need money to help. But I think God's got to be up there. It's like, didn't I already pay for this once? Or he's kind of has that. So just, just a little challenge there, thinking about like, hey, all right, what can I give away to kind of, you know, have that mentality where, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate kingdom. And demonstrate kingdom also requires we get beyond who gets credit for the church plant, right? Collaboration doesn't work if it's about you or your kingdom. My hope in Houston is that we have such a mentality that it isn't about HCPM planted a church or this denomination or network planted a church or this church or that church. But my hope is that planters can truly say that so many people are collaborating together that truly the church in Houston planted me. You've heard the expression, it takes a village to raise a child. I believe in the world we're in right now that it's going to take a city of leaders to raise a church planter. So when I think of saturation, multiplication, collaboration, I think collaboration probably tends to be the, mo the hardest because I think it may be because we live in such a self-centered culture. So we just want to challenge you towards collaboration. Bruce did a talk, uh, Wesley did a talk, Bruce, not John, at the last exponential event, uh, the regional that we had, and his talk was on collaboration. And he had this line. He said, uh, he said the reason people don't collaborate either is either their vision is too small or their ego is too big. And I'm like, man, that was a, that's a mic drop moment right there. So I encourage you to think about collaboration and what that looks like for you, for your church. So saturation, multiplication, collaboration. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I'm just thinking of it for me. I'm thinking one, one, one. And, that's my, and I'll leave you with this challenge. Um, think about for this next year, and I'm going, to try to I'm going to try to set up a meeting with you, every partner church, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question in the first quarter. I'm thinking about one, who is it that you're built as a lead evangelist? Who is it you're developing a, a relationship with that's far from God? What does that look like? And I want you to ask that question back to me. Second one, who, what's the, who's the, give me a name of a church planner, someone you're trying to raise up to be a church planner that from within the church, not that your church is raising up, but that you're personally investing in. And then the third one is think about a church that you can begin to engage in a collaborative vision, whether it's HCPN or just engaging 
to help church planning uh, multiply here in Houston. One, 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 as we work towards 400, 400 churches. So consider that, and I'll, I'll be following up with you on that. You know, one of the things, one of the places where I feel like I've seen this lived out more than any, any place, this saturation, multiplication, and collaboration uh, is in Cuba. We've had a, had a chance to do a lot of ministry there the last 15 years or so, and it's always inspiring. Uh, several of you have had a chance to be down on a trip where we visited, and one of the things uh, that I appreciate about my Cuba brother and sis, Cuba and Cuban brothers and sisters is they always bring out maps, right? They have a map of every place, so you start meeting with them. They cast out vision. They, they'll lay down, here's a map of our city. Here's everything, the church planning work that's going on in our city. And then it'll begin to go to, all right, here's our province. I think there's around 20 provinces in the nation. They'll pull out a map of the province. Here's what, here's what we're working out. And then lots of times when we're bringing city leaders together, one of our key, key leaders that we work with down there, will bring out a map of the country. And this has been folded and unfolded so many times that it's wrinkled, but it'll spread from here probably all the way to here. Cuba's as long as Texas, if you didn't know that. So it's a long map. And they begin to cast a vision, hey, here's what's going across all uh, our entire country for church planning. I'm like, that is beautiful. I, I love the maps. Started adopting the axiom, missional people have maps because of what I learned in, in Cuba. One of my most uh, impactful moments is we're driving through some back roads of Cuba. Everything seems like a back road in Cuba. But we're driving, and one of our partners uh, pulls us over. He said, hey, we need to pull over here, go over here. I'm like, why are we pulling over here? Just a small town. He goes, we got a planter here. So we go in uh, to this planter's house, and it's probably nothing bigger than this stage. Two rooms, an open room we go back to. He takes us back to the back bedroom. And above his bed, uh, he, has a, he has a map. So this is, this is his... Uh, above his bed, and he takes it down off, the, off there and puts it on the bed and lays it right in, right in front of us and, say, and begins to say, hey, here's my neighborhood. Here's this street, here's this street, here's this street, and began to tell us about all the relationships that he was building, wanting to see people come to know Jesus. And I still get chills. That, that moment is impressed upon my head. And I was leaving with our partner. I said, you know, tell me about that. What do you, what, you know, how does that uh, movement get infected into where everybody thinks of themselves as a church planner? And he said, you know, when, when Castro came to this country, he said, he and tried to take over the country, he said, he had a phrase, he said, revolution happens block by block. And he said, we've adopted that as a church. And say, if we're going to saturate the city, then we want to see revolution happen block by block. A revolution that says, hey, I want to see revival come to, that, to come to this country. And that's our heart for Houston, where we want to see revival come to Houston and take responsibility for really every square inch of real estate. In our first gathering in 2009, we had a map. Uh, so I don't know, Ben, Brian, or Daniel are still here. Uh, in the room, I saw you guys floating around. You, those were in your younger days. Where, but we put a map of, hey, here's a, here's a sticker. We're going to take responsibility for this Houston, uh, this part of Houston. Uh, in our new office, we're going to go eat in a second. I encourage you to stop by our new office. We've got a bigger map over there now. We'd love for you to put your church up there. If you're, if you're part of HCPN, put it on a map. And we want to begin to see that map saturated with churches all over the city that said, hey, we're going to take responsibility for our city. Let me close in prayer, and then Jeremiah is going to close us out. Yeah.